Hey everybody, it's Microphones of Madness, I'm Rodney, over there Steve. Hey. And today we are talking, well, let me put it this way. A <laughs> young, childless couple in Kansas longs to have a baby, but can't. And one fateful evening, a meteor shower strikes the earth. And they are gifted with a child from beyond the stars. And if you're thinking I'm talking about Superman, you'd be absolutely wrong. Because today we're talking about Brightburn. Uh, yes. Horror movie from uh, earlier this year. Uh, yeah, it just came out on video. Yep. Just came out on video. Uh, produced by James Gunn. Of, Which uh, explains a lot. Yeah. Um. It's written by a couple of people named Gunn as well. I don't know if they're family or, or what. They are. It's his brother and his cousin. Ah, his other brother? Yep. So so not Craglin, but the other Gunn Yes, brother. the other Daryl. The other Daryl. Uh, and <clears throat> who's the director of this one? Um, that's a good question. The director is David Yurevsky. Uh, Right. Yurevsky. There you go. Yurevsky. Right. And uh, I don't recall seeing his name attached to anything else I've watched. It's possible I have. Does this mean that when they get around to their Batman SP that they're going to, when they fight, he's going to say, Tori. How do you know that name? All right. Tori, Tori and Wayne Thomas uh, were not murdered in Gotham City, which is the cleanest and... It's going to be the... the it, it's uh, the fucking Amsterdam of the United States. Okay. So so this, the Batman version of this has already been written. Um, it is the public eye from uh, Martial Law. <laughs> <laughs> And to be honest with you, this story has already been written. Uh, Brightburn. Right. This uh, isn't the this isn't the first. Um, what if Superman grew up with weird twist uh, story out there? Mm-hmm. Red Sun comes to mind. Red Sun. Um, there's the I forget. It's a story where. Uh, the baby from Krypton was adopted by the Waynes and he became mm-hmm. Batman. Um, yeah, I mean, there's like a, a ton of them. It's, it's rife for Elseworlds and, and alternate reality stories. Um, probably Superman Earth One. Right. And, um, and then even, even in the Flashpoint um, series, we had like a variation on this where Ma and Pa Kent were the a U.S. government um, experimental laboratory. So, right. The, what if Superman's um, origins had were slightly different? Is a uh, a common theme. the The thing that makes this, I guess, unique is that usually in the nature versus nurture argument, it's the nurture part that people pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, it is the nature part. 
Right. Kind of. Um, yeah. Truthfully, I'm not really sure um, how this movie got a $7 million budget to be made. You know, it's like, oh, well, James Gunn's going to produce it. Oh, there, well, there, well, there you James go. Gunn. Well, it's, it's James Gunn. Right. First off. And B, you know, in the right hands, this actually could have been kind of a cool story. The problem I had with it, and I tried to go into it with an open mind, despite the fact that I was kind of watching it for schadenfreude reasons. Um, it did have good parts to it. Unfortunately, a lot of like what I think what it was trying to say is muddled. Uh, um, let's take his parents, Tori and Kyle Breyer. Mm-hmm. It was almost like they were like, it was a commentary about modern parenting. Okay. Where um, you had wishy-washy parents who let their kids do whatever they want. And this is what happens. Um, They weren't the most uh, strict parents, I guess, or the most disciplinary parents at all. The, 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 I guess the closest it came to them being disciplinarians was not letting him have the gun that he got for his birthday. Right. Right. But, but I mean, other, also other than that, they were just kind of like not neglectful, but not like, um, you know, very forceful parents. Mm-hmm. Well, it was almost like, uh, his upbringing, Brian, I believe that was his name. Brian, uh, Brandon, 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 Brandon Breyer. Breyer. Fucking alliterative name. You know, I was... Let me... Alright, let me make this point first and then, then I'll rant a little bit. Um, You know, Brandon had the kind of upbringing that, you know, you see all these fucking douchebags talk about in their memes and stuff like, oh, back in my day, we were just allowed to roam around outside, no helmets or anything. I mean, he was pretty much had free reign... Of this farm that they were on, you know, he couldn't really go into the barn much because the building wasn't entirely safe. But, I mean, otherwise, you know, you get up, you go to school, you come home, you do your chores, and the rest of your day, you can do whatever the fuck you want. And, you know, I I don't see, you know, how that's poor upbringing. That's, that's, That's the kind of life every kid wants. Well, I don't. I yeah. don't think it was poor upbringing. I think he just. It was kind of um, non-existent parental um, upbringing. Right. And and Not, you could also, you could also take it. You know, Mia brought this up to me while we were uh, watching it, and you know, it is the the immigrant xenophobia film. It's like. You know, the parents are kind of liberal and this be this other comes from outer space and it is pure evil. Right. Um, you know, and it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, I agree. But you know, like, it's an unstoppable parents, force from outside the United States. And even with the parents, it was kind of a mixed message. Right. To like, were they liberal? Were they not? What was going on with them? I think they tried to show her, Elizabeth Banks, um, 
as like this super doting mother who was almost um, like horrible with her with her affection for the boy. Mm-hmm. Like overcompensating, like nobody wants that, you know. I love you. That's fine. Go and do what you want, kid. Not like you know the the point. I think they were trying to sh- to show just how quote good a mother she was. You know what I'm saying? Right, and overcompensating with it. Yes, exactly. So you 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 didn't get the sense like when you think of Superman and his origins, you get a sense of salt of the earth, mom, pa, Kent. You know, they were just as quick with a word of praise as a word of um of of criticism right uh well you did something wrong clark and this is what you did wrong this is what you're going to do to make it right and do you know why that was wrong that kind of thing they were like almost stereotypical in their americanness and small town americana Mm -hmm. as parents and And, but but ma and pa kent were also you know clever about about it because you know, it's like, okay, yeah, if you were a normal human kid, you know, we might be spanking you here. But, uh, yeah, what I need you to do is hold up this tractor while I change the tire. Right. You know, or, or something like that. Like, I remember um, episodes of Superboy, you know, not episodes, but like issues of Superboy and, and flashes of Clark Kent as a child. And he would have to do like weird chores around the farm. Like, hold up the tractor while I change the tire, or you know, load the you're you're like you're eight, but uh, yeah, you're gonna unload this entire trailer full of uh hay bales, <laughs> right? And well, and that's the other thing about mom, pa, Kent, where as soon as like young Clark started realizing that he can fly and he was stronger than everyone, they like caught to it, told him what was going on and, you know, let him know it doesn't matter where we love you either way, uh, no matter what, we're your parents right. and went from there. And this, it was kind of like, it was a secret even beyond the point where it was obvious. I mean, they're also, they've got to be thick as a brick <laughs> right. to, in so heavily in denial that this kid is going out and doing all sorts of shit and they can't see it. Right. Because they, it's not like they didn't know he was an alien from another planet who possibly had superpowers. And you, they lied to each other. It, it was just, it was a mess. And, and, you know, maybe that's a more realistic way of looking at how um, parenting is these days. Mm-hmm. Possibly. Mia, oh, you know. Mia says their biggest mistake as parents was not letting him read comics. I don't know if they actually had comics in that world. Yeah, well, true. That that is a possibility as well that there were no no comics or anything because you know, if I expected my child, my child, you know, fell out of the fucking sky, uh has never cut, bruised himself, broken a bone. Bled. See, that's the other thing. They they mentioned that that he's never been sick, he's never broken a bone, blah blah blah. You gotta like, and he he fell out of the sky, and you have a spaceship. You gotta think that you know there's something with this child. Mm-hmm. At least open up to the kid about that, right? But but that just it didn't <laughs> happen. 
Right. I mean, my if that was my kid, first thing I would do is take an entire paycheck down to the friendly comic store and buying like an armful of Superman comics and going, hey. Yeah, I, you just got to assume they don't have Superman in this right. world. Right. Ex- well, apparently. Because... Or anything. Until the, well, apparently at the end there was um, some some clever Aquaman and Wonder Woman references. Right, right. And and also uh, another another character from a James Gunn film, Super, uh, Patton Oswalt's Crimson Bolt, who is supposed to be like a Batman analog. Oh, there you go. Um, was on this on this show. I, I that was probably the the most interesting part because the rest of this film progressed in such an obvious way to be completely honest with you I did not watch the entire movie all the way through <laughs> I thought I, 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 I was able to just sit there and like skip ahead a little bit you know like like I never I didn't watch any of the kills because it's it's kind of like um the way a quiet place was done is like every kill start it started with the same exact jump scare. Uh, yeah, I mean the, the of, kills were were pretty obvious. Um, it, it, as a horror movie, it was pretty mediocre. As as a, as a horror movie, right? I don't, um, I, don't, I don't I don't think there's anything in this film that is above mediocre. Uh, the the worst thing in this film to me was the shard of glass in that woman's eye, and they yeah. made a close up. But you see, if this was actually a good movie that explored, um, you know, this kid and why he decided to become a serial killer, you know, you wouldn't need any of that. But because it wasn't really all that great of a of a of a setup, I think right that you needed to go high on that, and you needed to like the shock value of seeing um, spoilers here of seeing um, his father he him blow out his father's head with heat vision, right? Uh, you know, do you need that in a movie? Absolutely not. But because it's bad Superman, you have to show it, mm-hmm. right? And and that's kind of how this movie was. It was. Uh, because it's bad Superman, this is what happens. Right. Or Superboy. He, he, he hasn't grown. Superboy. Right, right. Uh, I did like the costume he tried he to for become, himself. He tried to become a Superman, and that was the what started the whole thing. Right. <laughs> right. Because he knew he was superior and whatnot, and instead of instead of how you should, if a kid comes to you and goes, you know, I'm, I'm superior to everyone and it's like okay well you know and if that's the case what you need to do is focus on helping people if you have the ability you know but none of that was present in this book this the the kid was pretty much allowed to come to his own conclusions about everything there was no opposite pressure so you can't even really say it was nurture because the moral pressure wasn't there which is no, that's what, I'm, that's what I'm saying. Right, is, which is that, something that you got from Ma and Pa Kent, that Superman, and Superman is usually aware of the fact that without Ma and Pa raising him and imbuing his own morality into him, 
you know, through through not only uh, you know what they say, but through their example. Uh, you know, he would he would have turned out a lot different. Yeah, and- one of the greatest Superman moments is I think it was in Justice League Unlimited when he's fighting Darkseid. Oh, the world made a cardboard speech. Yes, yes, and throughout this whole thing, that was going through my head because. Superman does hold back mm-hmm. because he's fully aware that he's superior. Right. <laughs> he's fully aware that he could sneeze and destroy a county. Right. Like um like that discussion on the uh, Dimension X forums a couple months ago about how uh playing superheroes in a traditional fashion is just like terrible because, you know, no one, you know, no one really wants to play toward you know, that kind of unrealistic morality. And it's like, look, yeah, that's Superman's challenge. And it's gotten a little muddled over the years. But Superman knows, and he's known for years, that he is Superman. And and that he is so much stronger than everyone else. And he can't just lose control and punch his way out of a problem. He always has to hold back no matter what he's doing like be just being Clark Kent and trying to be normal he has to hold back because he could tear down the entire daily planet building just by walking through the door right you know so it's and- like you know he's it's it's easy to you know say, oh well superman's kind of a meathead well not really because a lot of his cognitive function is being taken up by not destroying the world by sneezing. Yeah, I don't <laughs> think Superman has ever been a meathead. Even like at his like most I, I don't know, physical, he's never been a meathead. Right. Well, I think that's that's the implication of the um of that particular criticism of superheroes as a genre is that oh, you know, he's just you know, punches his way out of all of his problems. And I'm, you know, you and I, we've discussed this in many cases that that's not the case. If you actually read comics, Superman, right. the flash, you know, all of these like extraordinarily powered characters often have to think their way out of problems rather than just muscling through and, and punching shit. Well, I mean, that's all right. Well, that's really a criticism of, uh, and I'll lay it square where where I think it belongs of Marvel films, <laughs> right? Um, you well, know that you they, can't talk about it, morality because the Marvel characters really are not that powerful. You know, a lot of DC characters are you know pretty much gods versus you know. That was one of the big strong points of the Marvel universe is that, oh, these guys are more human. You know, Superman is an alien and he's, you know, got so many powers and stuff like that. But that's not the purpose of his story. His story is not the use of his powers. The purpose of the Superman story is, you know, him learning not to use his powers. Right. No, what I'm saying is that this, this, um, this, this myth of superhero role-playing being punching your way out of things. Mm-hmm. Um, it, I'll, I'll lay that on stuff like Marvel. Okay. The movies, because that's what happens. 
at the end of all those movies. Like even in Endgame, where they you know thought their way out of it, the last hour of that movie was punching. Right. <laughs> I mean, so you know, don't don't blame put the blame on superhero role playing. The blame is on the people who popularize the genre in the general public. But if you just read comic books, yeah, you know that it's not all just punching. Right. Like the, the formula for Spider-Man used to be Spider-Man meets a new foe, new foe beats the shit out of Spider-Man. Spider-Man has to think of a way around getting the shit beat out of him. Right. That was the formula. And that was for Spider-Man. That was for fantastic four. Uh, it was for all those, early Stan Lee comics. Right. And actually, if you think about it, that was the formula in Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah. Spider-Man was outclassed. Um, and he had, (laughs) it was a Sony picture, not a a Disney. Well, it was still, it was still made by Disney people, but yeah, I mean that, that was, I think that's one of the things that, uh, made Homecoming appeal to people. That was one of the things that made, uh, into the Spider Verse appeal to people because it was not, you know, it's like how to how do I do this? You know, um, there's always the the underlying theme of the the great responsibility. Well, it's not shallow, right? It's not a shallow story. And yes, punching your way to victory is kind of a shallow story, right? And it's not like that hasn't been done with Superman because Superman, I've always thought would be the hardest of any character to write would be Superman because he is so powerful. You have to be able to challenge him, Mm -hmm. you know, to make an interesting story, right? How do some people do it by bringing in unbeatable foes like doomsday? Right. Is the death of Superman that the run up to that really a good story? The fight with Doomsday across the the state, not really. Right. But the aftermath of that, um, it kind of is a good story. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. I mean, you had the entire world dealing with... The rebirth. Right. Was a good story. Right. The return Um, of Superman? Yeah. Now, this, Brightburn... It's not a good story. No. It's it's an interesting concept that was hand I think handled poorly. Yeah, I, I think it was. Um I think it was definitely handled poorly. Uh there was a lot of poor stuff. I mean the the right like I said earlier, the writing was extraordinarily predictable. So if you're looking for a movie that'll make you feel like Miss Cleo and uh good on you if you're old enough to get that reference. <laughs> uh <laughs> or Diane Warwick. <laughs> right. Dion Warwick. <laughs> um, you know, the acting was terrible. Yeah, you know, I usually like Elizabeth like, Banks, but not, I, not this one. Right. It's like, damn, I can't even really watch these actors. You know, and it was like, you didn't really... It, it, it was the shallow character development of a slasher film. You know, where you're like, you know, who cares about these people? They, they're they going to deserve everything they get. Right. But, yeah, I mean, like, 
the, the people who, who, who end up dying are like the shallow girl who doesn't want to be with the nerd trope. Her, her, well, she doesn't actually end up dying, but I mean, right. that's there. Uh, the overprotective mother who doesn't, who doesn't want her daughter to make her own decisions about what uh, guys she, she likes. You get that you have, it's just, yeah, you're right. It's, it's who cares. The, and unfortunately, the the uncle who was drunk at the time and not really in control of his faculties, right? Um, you know, you know, but you know, you want to tell a story that kind of is cr- criticizing an American icon, you know, a pop culture icon like Superman. You should have the respect of what you're criticizing to put effort into making something that is, uh, that makes you want to think. Right. And right. I, I don't, I don't think that was done. I think uh, pretty much the pitch went like this. Um, I'm going to make a creepy kid horror film. Well, creepy kid horror films have been done to death. Well, in this case, my creepy kid's going to be Superman. What do you think Whoa. about that? Whoa. So yeah, wait, I think it, so wait, I don't you're going to be, was that give deep. the finger I, to DC. Yeah. Okay, James Gunn. Let's call let's call <laughs> James. Okay, James Gunn, director of Guardians of the Galaxy and Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Right. Employee of Marvel. It's, well, I don't think he I, I think at the time he was on the outs with Marvel. Right. Well. So, you know, it's like I still want to make a superhero movie. Well, I got one. I wrote this in an afternoon, James. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a it's a shame because it could it's an interesting concept and had they been more careful with the with the build up like just uh being being more like claire with the family or you know claire with, yeah really what that's what pisses me off the most really are his parents and just how just lame they are portrayed mm-hmm. because they could have, they could have hit it from one or two angles that um, he's an alien and, you know, he's programmed to destroy the world or take over the world or whatever and, and go from there. And he could have had the most saintly parents in the world and it wouldn't have mattered. Right. Or he could have had, you know, gone the, I guess the Rob zombie route mm-hmm. <laughs> where you had shitty parents, like hillbilly fucking shit parents. Yeah. <laughs> and, and just the, the fact that like this thing goes over the, the spaceship telling him to go take the world pushes him over the edge, right? Because he's already heading down that path. Right. Or... But instead, instead you have like like not not like horrible people, just run-of-the-mill dipshits raising him. Mm-hmm. But you know, the thing it doesn't, that would it just doesn't say anything. It doesn't it doesn't it right. doesn't it doesn't say anything about it. You know, you could say if Superman was raised by hillbillies, this is what would happen. You know, it could have been like Florida Superman, right? Mm-hmm. 
Super, <laughs> Superman super on bath salts. <laughs> Superman right. on bath salts, you know, or whatever. Uh, it could have been a commentary on, like, contemporary America and, like, what the fuck. But it's not. <laughs> right. I mean, you don't even have, like, you, you have a 12-year-old child, right? And there is no moral conflict within this character. And that's that's where they, they severely weaken the story, is that, you know, he goes from being a normal kid to, you know, one brief conversation with the spaceship. Oh, and... don't forget, it's like idiot father saying sometimes you could, you can uh, touch yourself. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was, so there's this awkward, like, um, birds and the bees, the, the talk conversation where, you know, awkward dad tells him it's okay to like act on his feelings knowing full well that the pictures that his son has hidden away that he's using the beat off to are cheesecake photos of girls, you know, normal stuff and dissection and autopsy photos. Right. So, Oh, but it's okay to like, I mean, what the fuck act on your instincts. I think, I think the, the dissection and autopsy photos, they interpreted as him just being curious about bodies, you know, like what they were, but they were hidden with his his like wank pack, right, <laughs> right. But yeah, I mean, but the character themselves, you know, just going from one extreme to the other in in a in a single scene. Yes, you know, it's none of them do that. I mean, you know, it's either pure evil from the start, you know, Damien, right. uh, you know, Freddy Krueger, stuff like that. Or, you know, a tragic event twists them around. Joker. Joker. Uh, Jason Voorhees. Uh, or or this is a horrible, you know, and, and strenuous moral conflict that eventually breaks them down and causes them to turn into this thing. Yeah, but you don't get any of that. You just get, like, do whatever you want, son. We're hunting. Right, you know, it's okay to, to, to play with your Weezer and, you know, let's go, let's kill us a boar. Right. But you're not allowed to have a gun. You're not allowed to have a gun, so you're just going to sit there and spot for me. Blast them with your heat vision, boy. <laughs> See, now that would have been kind of a funny movie. And you, you killed a boar and you cooked the meat. How about that? <laughs> and then all of a sudden, Dad gets like, like these morals all of a sudden, like he, right. he, he puts two and two together. He, he, he like, uh, puts down his Budweiser long enough to realize that his kid is going around killing people. No. And knowing full well, that he's never been cut. never been sick, blah, blah, blah. Tries to shoot him in the back of the head. Right. Really? I mean, obviously, the audience is like, oh, it's evil Superman. Good luck, buddy. Right. But even like beyond that is like, how dumb are you? Well, it's the typical horror movie trope that everyone is dumb. You're plot dumb. You're, you're clever when you need to be clever and you're dumb when you need to be dumb. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it's one of those things that's like, 
the broken cell phone in a slasher flick or you know the fact that nobody has one even though it's a modern slasher flick you know it's like okay uh what common no, she, she societal, did have a cell phone right she called the the ah oh my god do you want to know how how annoyed i was so she called she's being attacked by her kid there's spoilers in this because I don't give a shit. I'm not recommending you go see this movie, so right. I'm going to spoil it for you. She's being attacked by her son at the end of the movie, and he's like doing a super thing and zooming in and out of the of the shot and destroying things with the super speed and strength. And she's on her cell phone calling nine one one, and the sheriff, who already suspects this kid, not knowing he has superpowers, but it suspects him of being a, a psychopath goes to to look in on it and doesn't bother letting anybody know what his suspicions have been doesn't report anything to anybody so basically he and his deputy go in there and there's no trace of them um having been there before or 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 being there because you know when the kid ends up dropping a plane on the farmhouse to cover his tracks mm-hmm. Nobody in the state police or sheriff department was like, oh, well, the sheriff was investigating the kid um, in in regards to the disappearance of this this woman. Right. So it what the hell? What kind of shit writing is that? Right. <laughs> There's but no paper like, trail from the police department. Right. But uh, the point I was getting to was, you know, you had the horror movie trope where the one convenient modern item uh, is missing from the universe. For example, in slasher flicks, cell phones. Uh, in this film, the influence of quote-unquote superheroes is not there you know, to provide a balancing moral force. So, yeah, naturally, Superman turns into evil. And we keep calling him Superman because this is... You know, there is no, there's not, they're not even trying to hide the fact that this is the exact Superman origin story told as a creepy kid horror film. This is, this is about as much of super Superman as Nosferatu was Dracula. It's the exact same thing. They switched the name of a couple of places. It's not Smallville, it's Brightburn. It's still in Kansas. Right. (laughs) They're not the Kents, they're the Briars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but okay. everything else but, happens exactly yeah. the same. Yeah. Yes, exactly. So, I mean, obviously they're fooling no one and they didn't want to fool anyone. Actually, uh, they did fool some people because I had somebody actually recommend this movie to me and claim that it was not the Superman origin story. Done as a horror film, really, really, and I'm like, and as was, I'm was watching, this, this, this person was um, a rational adult. Uh, yeah, I, read, I don't think I don't who's think read comic books. That that that's the trick right there. Is I'm not sure <laughs> or seen they, a film, right? <laughs> and I, you don't even have to have read a comic book. You could have seen the 1977 Superman, right, or 78 Superman movie, or even Man of Steel. <laughs> You know, and and you would have gotten the same thing. In fact, in fact, the or the back of a Cheerios box, right? <laughs> I 
you know, have been very vocal about my dislike of Man of Steel. But this film actually makes Man of Steel look fantastic. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what. It was better than Endgame. This movie, I see, I can't <laughs> I can't say that it was better than Endgame. This movie I can't. This movie better. makes Rogue One look like a good movie. I liked Rogue One. You liked Rogue One. I hate Rogue One with a passion. And I would rather watch Rogue One again than watch this movie of the first time. Um, you know, there are now now that we've thoroughly trashed this movie and you don't want to see it, let's talk about let's talk about a couple other things that are fairly recent um, you know, that are that are alternatives to watching this movie. One of them, DC Universe's Swamp Thing, if you're into this idea of superhero slash horror. Another thing is taking this mechanical pencil and jabbing it in my eye. Yep, there's there's something else. Um, and if you're really looking for an evil Superman, The Boys on Amazon. Yeah, now, that's funny. I haven't watched The Boys yet, but I've read, I've read The Boys. Mm-hmm. And uh, the the boys is kind of like what um, what uh, martial law was back in the day, where it just takes the Mickey out of all the the big name superheroes. Yep. Um, I and I keep on meaning to watch the boys, but I just haven't had time yet. Um, I'll I'll, I'll tell you, um, uh, the Judge Dread guy. What's his name? Uh, he was Judge Dredd. He was um, the executioner in Ragnarok. Oh, uh, right. He um, was Dr. McCoy. Yeah. In Star Trek. Um, and I can't remember his name off the top of my head. I'm sure it'll come to me as soon as we stop recording. But he is, like, pleasantly darkly comic. He's a good actor. He is. He's he's a good actor. I mean, they they rounded up a pretty decent cast. Carl uh, Urban. Carl Urban. Thank you. Um, you know, he is actually the glue that holds this whole show together. He, he like, plays the uh, the the uh, what's his name's character Simon. Uh, he's the butcher. Is or his name is Butcher. No, then he's not the Simon Pegg character. Uh, no, the Simon Pegg Gar- character is. Uh, is the uh, POV character's father in this film? Okay. Oh, really? Yeah. In uh, in the comic, Simon Pegg. Well, the guy they they drew him to look like Simon Pegg is the POV character. Ah. In the comic. That's that explains why. Uh, everybody but I guess so happy. like Simon Pegg is is probably too old to play that character. Yeah. In this, but so, they I'm assuming they put him in there as a nod to it yeah right so but yeah go, go watch the boys go watch uh swamp thing neither which i watch watch titans yeah shit man watch doom patrol yeah definitely uh titans titans yeah would uh be you know their take on robin is very similar to uh the theme that brightburn was going after so yeah kind of the uh the the morality Rebell- has rebellious failed. Yeah, yeah, and and they they do that in, in Titans because I ended up watching the first season. They they 
they do that in Titans where you have um, Dick Grayson uh, talks about being addicted to like getting into fights and shit. Mm-hmm. And like how he was trying to like get away from all that because it, of the way it made him feel. Right, right. He realized yeah. that uh, Batman was training him to be a essentially a killing machine. Right. And, and even Batman was starting to go off the deep end. Mm-hmm. And, you know, see, what did I tell you, though? That first episode actually put the fuck Batman in context. Yeah. And yeah. It, actually, it actually worked. Yes. I'll give you that. So, yeah. These things can be done by people who understand these characters and know which what to bring out and what to suppress in terms of telling the story. Because the way they, they portray Robin in Teen Titans is perfect. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas, a natural outgrowth of, you know, that is the a realistic take on Robin is that eventually this character would realize that, yeah, he's getting addicted to violence. Um, and that becomes his his go-to solution for every problem. So, And he doesn't want to do that. Right. You know, and they contrast him well with Jason Todd, who would be the equivalent of the Brightburn character of, of Brandon, you know, without superpowers, who is fully embracing that that um, addiction to violence. Yep. To the to the point where he just later attacks police officers for no reason. Right. Which kind of is is also within the the established bounds of uh, Jason Todd's character mm-hmm. in the comics, right? It's it's all there in the comics already, right? It has it has context, and that's that's the main flaw of this movie is that it is a it is a comic book character story, an alternate version of Superman, written by people. Who don't, who don't understand read, Superman. Who don't read Superman. Right. I mean, the the thing is, like, the story of, of the rocket crashing and it being brought up in, by, you know, farmers in Kansas, blah, 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 is so ubiquitous that mm-hmm. everyone knows it. Whether you've actually seen it or or you just know it, it's just – it's it's a – it's a meme in the right. original sense of meme. Right. Not, this this character is sense. It, what, it's 82 like, it's, years old now? Yeah, it's DNA. It's part of the DNA of pop culture. Mm-hmm. So it's there. And I think it, it almost sounds like just because it's there, they just tackled it without knowing anything too much about it. Because you could have you could have taken the, the beginning of that off all of the Superman parallels and written something else. Right. Um, and still had a kid with superpowers. Mm-hmm. The, the shocking thing, I guess the shocker part of it, what they were counting on, I get would be, Oh, it's Superman doing this mm-hmm. because we told the Superman story, but you kind of get the feeling that it it's not. Superman. Yeah, the kid has powers and stuff. But you don't get this like this pervading sense of dread of Superman. You know what I'm saying? Right. It's yeah. just it, there's a disconnect 
Um, it, it's got all of the the pieces, but um, they don't fit together right. to, to accomplish what I think the movie wants to accomplish, which is to make you think about Superman differently. And it doesn't. Right. It's just, oh, it's just, it's, it's a horror film with the mm. Superman origin tacked on the beginning. Right. And it's, you know, it's, he also has the obsession with this symbol that, that he creates or it's part of his language or something like that. You yeah. Know? And it's like his personal symbol but you know, even even in Superman, the broader the broader mythos, I believe it was uh, uh, the the seventy seven film that actually introduced this part of the canon was that it was the symbol of the House of L, and then right. it, it meant hope. You know, if, if which I've always thought was hokey because it's an S. Well, it's <laughs> it's the Kryptonian language. You know, yeah, it's kind of hokey. Where. Whereas, well, it's better than it being like, you know, Smallville. I don't know. You look, you look at, at like, you know, Chinese characters and there's none that look like an S. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean, why would a Kryptonian character? Why? why? Like well, it's, it's not it's not the S itself. It's the S inside the shield. That is right. the full character. So, oh, okay. Well, you know, whatever. I always thought it was kind of hokey. And you know, it's only it's only a you know production design standpoint where it actually looks like that. I could I could take it or leave it as being you know Ma Kent's attempt at writing the crest of the House of L, you know, stitching it into the costume Possibly. or whatever. But, but then. But then again, you know, from now on, every Jor-El is wearing that exact symbol and he's like, okay, you know, at least change it up a little bit so it looks like it was kind of misinterpreted. Right. You know, but, you know, misinterpreted but close enough. But the the, the symbol he uses in, in the book, the, the, the sheriff uh, recognizes it and says it kind of looks like BB, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think that was supposed to be clever because the shield with the S in it is supposed to look like an S. Right, for for, <laughs> for Superman or right, but it's, Smallville. Or it's the House of L, whatever. And I think they were trying to like make that parallel and it was just kind of like, wah, wah. Nope, didn't work. Right, Did because, work. because they didn't complete the parallel by making it no, it's not a BB for Brandon Breyer or Brightburn. It's you know, it's the his it's the alien symbol for conquest or destruction or something like that. Or you know, sticking your willy out and right, you know, <laughs> take the world. Uh, no, kid, you misinterpreted that. That's not what it meant. All right, so that does it for this garbage fire of a movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. You know, we watched it so you wouldn't have to. Yeah. And this is one we definitely do not recommend. No, it's pretty bad. Even pretty even bad. Elizabeth Banks couldn't save this this sucker. Right. Go watch go watch Power Rangers instead. As I believe the parents in this film were both in Power Rangers. Um Oh, was the 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 guy the the father was from the office. That's what I recognize him from, ah, well, as was his his uncle, mm-hmm. was also in the office. Right, go watch that instead. Go watch of the this. office. The office is funny. 
Go watch The Office. Go go watch The Office. Go watch uh, anything else. Uh, <laughs> and uh, with that... Except for Endgame, because it's better than Endgame. It is not better than Endgame. It is better than Endgame. Endgame not. was a horrible movie. This was a horrible movie. So yeah. you know, I will give you equivalent, but I will not give you that this was better than Endgame. All right. So that the only does thing it. Endgame, the only thing... That, no, because this was shorter than Endgame. All right, yeah. <laughs> so, so we're going to cut the episode off right here, uh, <laughs> and uh, you can get uh, the the fight over Endgame uh, as exclusive Patreon content. <laughs> <laughs> eh, just keep thirty luck points. Yeah, just keep thirty luck points. <laughs>